0: welcome listeners but take heed we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge thoughts and joy and even things that do annoy so join us now but be aware we have a tendency to swear we'll dial
1: it back a little bit but frankly we don't give a shit welcome to just keep rolling a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast our Goblet of Fire is just about ready and our first champion is Ellen. Our second champion is Katie. Shouldn't there be a third champion? I mean, it, it is the Wizard Tournament. We're the only two that matter. Wait, what's this? The third champion is Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep rolling into the Rolling Rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 16. The Goblet of Fire, and the corresponding film scenes. The book continued to introduce us to Durmstrang and Beauxbatons, while the movie just said well fuck that. Everyone swooned over Victor Crumb, but he seemed unfazed. We discover that Karkaroff is exactly what his book cover suggests. Victor and Fleur are unknowingly competing for the affection of Ron's hormones, but Hermione will later become the very surprising tiebreaker. Fred and George tried to dupe Dumbledore's age line, but spoiler alert, they don't dupe it. And we discover Dumbledore's real reason for creating the age line, so he can get a good chuckle out of all of the hirsute students who
1: failed at tricking it. During episode 80, Allergy and Eulergy, our Potter pondering was, Would you join Spew? Why or why not? Quincy said, Hell no. I don't think I would work under Hermione ever. I think I would call her a bitch before long. I enjoy doing things simply because I want to, rather than someone being annoying and badgering me like a door to door salesman. No thank you. I admire the fact that she cared so much, but being annoying, mm, there is a way to fight for your cause and not rattle a donation tin in my fucking face. <laughs>
0: When I first read this, when he was like, I don't think I would work under Hermione, I was just like, oh, we always call me Hermione. I don't think Quincy <laughs> likes me. <laughs> but we like you as Hermione. That's
1: different. I am the Hermione that everyone deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, the Hermione, no one got. Except for me, suckers. Ha! I win, bitches. Kinda. You win. A podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Carly said that in the scenario, if she is her, rightfully so, she probably would. Growing up in the South and learning about slavery so brutally, she feels like it would be hard to not want to help them. However, would she want to free the Hogwarts house elves? Absolutely not. They are treated well. They like their jobs. She may petition for them to get some time off or wages or something, but try to free them the way Hermione did? No way. She hates that she leaves hats around for them
1: to find. Sarah feels as though she should say yes based on her past history with Hermione. But she kind of sees Spew as the hardcore pro-life people who fight so hard to make sure the fetus is born but then give absolutely zero shits about the kid once it pops out of the badge. All Hermione cares about is freeing the elves but has no plans on how to support them after they're free. Which Mike and I did point out to her on the chat
0: that she did want to get them representation in the ministry And to get them wages. That is true. Yeah, so she wasn't just trying to, like, free him and be like, good luck, fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Max said that he would totally join SPEW. Dobby's not really in it, so what's not to like? Just chill out with Ron and Hermione, because he's taking Harry's place in this scenario, and free some elves. That boy really doesn't like Harry, does he? He really doesn't. (laughs) I love teasing him whenever he gets on the... I'm like, do you even like this book? (laughs)
1: Do you even like these book series? He likes everything about it except for, you know, the title the main main character. character. <laughs> yeah, the title character and all. No big deal. Mike doesn't seem opposed to it. He just really wants to change the name because anything is better than Spew. S-P-E-W. Spew.
0: <laughs> Dave wonders how most house elves are treated. Obviously, the Nazi von Douchebags are terrible people and treat everyone, including their elves, badly, but how do other wizards treat theirs? He thinks Hermione possibly assumed too much and was a
1: bit overzealous, so he would need more information before he joined. Juliana said that she'd most likely join, especially if her friends were joining as well. What a joiner. She'd sign up for the DA in a heartbeat, but that's a different book. We'll get there. Mm-hmm.
0: Kylie says that she doesn't think she'd be allowed... She has a guide dog
1: and thinks that might count as slave labor, too. Hmm. Robert says, honestly, if they're happy, let them be fucking happy. So that's gonna be a no for him. First off, who the fuck does Hermione think that she is changing the complete lifestyle of an entire race? Second off, if she comes near him with those buttons, he's putting a Dr. Filibuster No Heat Wet Start Firework on that bitch and sending it to the moon.
0: Tell us how you really feel, Robert. Right?
1: Man, he let it go, didn't he?
0: No holding back on that point. I believe they call that no holds barred right there. Yes. Amanda said she admires Hermione's passion for the cause, and she feels her heart is in the right place, but her approach is totally wrong for the situation. She's not taking the time to really listen to the elves and their preferences. She feels like her entire justification is based on all elves should be Dobby. Dobby even said he likes freedom, but he likes working more. And Dobby is the exception, not the rule when it comes to how house elves feel about their roles. Even if they are brainwashed, that's not something you can change overnight.
1: So Amanda wouldn't join unless Hermione changed her tactics a bit. Kenneth said no, because house elves live to serve and are deeply depressed when they don't have a job to do. Some relocation project to send masterless elves to a place where the work never ends would be the way to help, he thinks. Yeah, I like that. Claire
0: said she would, but she would try to convince Hermione that the house elves that need help right now are the ones that are in an abusive enslavement. As well, it's a much more gradual process of teaching an entire group of beings about equal rights when they have no idea what that is and what was happening previously was bad.
1: Jackson said he would, but he'd tell Hermione that she needs to adjust her approach. Most house elves don't want to be paid. What she should have advocated for was for better treatment. Stop people from treating house elves like vermin. Seems to be a common thought. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a good start,
0: too. Push for better treatment of house elves. I also think it's good that, like I said before, she wanted to get that representation for them in the ministry.
1: Yeah, but just trying to free them all was totally shady. Though I'm not even sure that would actually work, because I doubt Hogwarts students will be considered the house elves' owners and able to set them free, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. We can talk more about it later when we get to that part in the book. Sounds good. Our trivia question was, how many Scrooots does Hagrid have left after he had to put them in separate boxes because they started killing each other? Luckily,
1: Hagrid was able to get all the Scrooots into separate boxes when he still had 20 left. Luckily. Luckily. Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. Yeah, now that
0: the pressure is off, he's back. Though Dave wasn't too far behind him. Yeah, maybe he'll get him
1: next week. Or maybe Mike will just build his streak back up. Maybe. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 16, The Goblet of Fire, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 16, The
0: Goblet of Fire, Part 2. The book chapter picks back up on the trio's conversation with Dean and Seamus about the Hogwarts champion. Seamus mentions that all the Hufflepuffs are talking about Cedric Diggory, but he doesn't think he'd want to risk his good looks. Hermione interrupts to point out that people are cheering, and they turn to see Angelina Johnson coming into the hall, grinning and saying she just put her name in. She tells them that she just had her birthday last week, and Hermione says that she really hopes she gets it. Seamus agrees, saying better her than Pretty Boy Dickory, and several Hufflepuffs scowl. Ron asks Harry and Hermione what they're going to do that day, and Harry suggests going to visit Hagrid. Ron agrees, as long as they don't have to donate a few fingers to the Scroots, and Hermione asks them to wait so she can go get her SPEW stuff to ask Hagrid to join. While they are waiting, Harry points out the Vila girl to Ron, as the students from Beauxbatons arrive to put their names in the goblet. Ron wonders where the students who aren't chosen will go, and Harry reckons they will have to stick around since their heads of schools will be staying to judge. Ron watches as Madame Maxime leads her students back onto the grounds and again asks where they are sleeping. At this point, Hermione reappears with her SPEW tin and the trio head to Hagrid's cabin, Ron keeping his eye on the Vila girl the whole way. He watches as they re-enter the powder blue carriage and realizes that this is where they must be sleeping. Harry knocks on Hagrid's door and he answers it wearing his very best and very horrible hairy brown suit, with a checked yellow and orange tie. He also had tried to tame his hair using large quantities of grease, leaving it slicked into two bunches. Hermione decides to ignore the hair and instead asks about the scroots, learning that they are out by the pumpkin patch. The creatures are getting massive and have started killing each other, so he has to keep them in separate boxes, but still has about 20 left. Ron sarcastically says that's lucky, but Hagrid doesn't pick up on it. As Hagrid makes tea, they all sit down in his one-room hut and talk excitedly about the tournament. Hagrid knows something about the first task, but doesn't want to spoil it for them and just calls it spectacular, but also says that the champions are going to have their work cut out for them. The trio stays for lunch, though they don't eat much because Hermione finds a large talon in the so-called beef casserole. They do have a good time trying to make Hagrid tell them about the tasks, and speculating about who the champions are going to be. As a light rain begins to fall around mid-afternoon, they sit by the fire as Hagrid and Hermione argue over SPEW, since he completely refuses to join, and says that it would be doing them a disservice. Hermione points out that Harry freed Dobby and now he's asking for wages, but Hagrid responds by saying you get weirdos in every breed, and says she'll never persuade most of them. As it starts to grow dark outside, Harry, Ron, and Hermione decide they better head back to the castle for the Halloween feast, and Hagrid says he will go with them. He gets up and starts rummaging through his chest of drawers. A few moments later, a truly horrible smell reaches the trio's nostrils. Ron coughs and asks what it is, and Hagrid blushes and says it's cologne. He decides it's a bit much and goes outside to wash it off in the water barrel outside his window. As the trio are wondering what's up with Hagrid wearing that suit and putting on cologne, Ron notices out the window that Hagrid has met up with Madame Maxime and is walking up to the castle with her and her students, wearing an expression very similar to the one that he had when looking at his baby dragon Norbert. Hermione is indignant that he didn't wait for them, and the three head back to the castle themselves. On their way, they see the Durmstrang students walking up from the lake. Ron watches them excitedly, though Victor Crumb does not turn around at all. When they reach the Great Hall, they find it almost full. The Goblet of Fire has been moved in front of Dumbledore's chair, and Fred and George are clean-shaven again. As they take their seats, they express their hope that the Hogwarts champion is Angelina, and then they impatiently eat their way through a feast that seems to take longer than usual. Once the plates finally do clear, the noise level rises and then immediately drops as Dumbledore gets to his feet. He announces that the goblet is about to make its decision, estimating that it requires one more minute. He says when the champion's names are called, they will head through a door at the top of the hall into the next chamber to receive instructions. He then waves his wand, causing the candles to go out, leaving the Goblet of Fire as the only light in the Great Hall. People are checking their watches and Lee Jordan says any second, just as the flames inside the Goblet turn red. A tongue of flame shoots a charred piece of parchment out of it, and Dumbledore catches it. He reads and announces that the champion for Durmstrang is Victor Crumb. Everyone cheers and claps, and Ron yells that he isn't surprised as Victor walks along the staff table and exits the great hall. The room quiets again and focuses back on the goblet as the flames turn red once more and spits out another piece of parchment. Dumbledore looks at it and declares Fleur Delacour to be the champion for Beauxbatons. Harry points out that it's the Vila girl to Ron, as Hermione comments on how the other girls from Beauxbatons are disappointed. Fleur also disappears into the next chamber, and silence falls again as everyone eagerly awaits to find out who the Hogwarts champion will be. Once more, the flames turn red, and when Dumbledore grabs the third piece of parchment, he reads that the Hogwarts champion is Cedric Diggory. Ron loudly exclaims no, but no one can hear him over the screaming and stamping. Cedric heads into the neighboring chamber, and it's quite a while before all the applause dies down and Dumbledore can readdress the crowd. As he's reminding everyone to be supportive of the champions, he finds himself distracted by the goblet. For a fourth time, the flames turn red, and yet another piece of parchment is expelled from it. Dumbledore automatically reaches for it and stares at it.
1: After a long pause, he clears his throat and says, Harry Potter. The movie scene starts on everyone milling around the Great Hall as Professor Snape, Professor McGonagall, and Bartemius Crouch make their way to the head of the hall. Dumbledore's voice is heard asking everyone to take their seats, and the students all make their way to the bleachers lining the edges of the Great Hall, and some tables that are set up towards the entrance. The camera cuts to Dumbledore as he announces that it is the moment they have all been waiting for, the champion selection. He waves his hand around at all the torches on the walls and causes the fires to go out, leaving the blue flames of the Goblet of Fire to be the only light in the hall. Approaching the goblet, he places both hands on it before backing away and just waiting. After a moment, the flames turn red and flick upward, sending a slightly charred slip of parchment up in the air. Dumbledore catches it and announces that the Durmstrang champion is Victor Crumb. The Durmstrang students all cheer and congratulate Victor, who stands to shake Dumbledore's hand and is escorted to a room off the Great Hall. The flames turn red again and release a crimped, pale blue circle of paper. Dumbledore catches it and declares Fleur de la Cour to be the champion of Beauxbatons. The blonde girl smiles as the rest of the Beauxbatons girls cheer, and then she also shakes Dumbledore's hand and is directed out of the Great Hall. For the third time, a piece of parchment comes out of the goblet, and Dumbledore reads that Cedric Diggory will be the Hogwarts champion. He smiles and stands as all of Hogwarts cheers for him, and shakes Dumbledore's hand. As Cedric makes his way out of the Great Hall, Dumbledore addresses the rest of the audience about having their three champions. He talks about how only one will go down in history as Barty Crouch carries something covered in cloth. Dumbledore speaks of the Vessel of Victory and points at the cloth, which magically sends it flying off, revealing a large and ornate silver and glass chalice that emits a blue light. As everyone claps and cheers, the camera shows Snape slowly stepping forward with a slightly confused look on his face. It cuts back to Dumbledore, who turns as he realizes the goblet is doing something unexpected behind him. For a fourth time, the flames turn red. And an unhappy Karkaroff watches as the goblet shoots out another piece of parchment. Dumbledore looks at the parchment and mutters, Harry Potter. He looks around for him, as Harry sits back down and Hagrid shakes his head, and then he yells out, Harry Potter! This section starts out with another interlude in the
0: chapter that's not reflected in the film. (gasps) Shocking! Harry, Ron, and Hermione are in the Great Hall, talking with Dean and Seamus. And Seamus mentions that all the Hufflepuffs are talking about Cedric Diggory. But he doesn't think he'd want to risk his good looks. Hermione interrupts to point out that people are cheering, and they turn to see Angelina Johnson coming into the hall, grinning and saying that she just put her name in. She tells them that she just turned 17 last week, and Hermione wishes her luck. Seamus agrees, saying better her than pretty boy Diggory, making several Hufflepuffs scowl.
1: I wish Angelina would have gotten it. I know. Aside from other issues that I have with the champions that were chosen. But then would they have had to have killed Angelina? That was my next... I was like, but considering how it ended, maybe I'm glad Angelina didn't do it. Yeah, Because I'd be maybe even more upset. Yeah.
0: Knowing what we know now. Right. But not what we are talking about yet. Yes. Ron asks Harry and Hermione what they're going to do that day. And Harry suggests going to visit Hagrid. Ron agrees, as long as they don't have to donate a few fingers to the scroots. And Hermione asks them to wait so she can get her SPEW stuff to ask Hagrid to join. Because
1: I'm sure he just wants to jump on that train real quick.
0: <laughs> I would think that a half-giant, granted we don't know that yet, but I would think that he would be more understanding of other magical creatures. Maybe. but But, yeah, I don't know. I can't blame Hermione for thinking that he'd want to join.
1: No, considering his stature. Stature. I was gonna say his way with animals and his way with yeah. other creatures. Yeah. Like the way he was with the centaurs. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. While they're waiting,
0: Harry points out the Vila girl to Ron. The Vila girl, because we don't even know her no, name no. yet. Nope. As the students from Bobatons arrive to put their names in the goblet. We don't see that at all in the movie. Just assume that they must have. Must have. <laughs> Ron wonders where the students who aren't chosen will go, and Harry reckons they'll have to stick around since their heads of school will be staying to judge. I don't imagine they'd be sending kids back unattended.
1: Yeah. Well, that, and who would cheer for their champion right. then? That'd be sad. Right? It's
0: just not fair. Ron watches as Madame Maxime leads her students back onto the grounds and again asks where they are sleeping. He's starting to get a little creepy at this point, I think.
1: Oh, my God, Ron, you can't just ask where people are sleeping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At this point, Hermione reappears with her SPEW tin and the trio head to Hagrid's cabin. Ron's just got his eye on the Vila girl the whole time. Like, he Mm -hmm. seriously can't decide between Crumb or Vila girl. Yeah. He wants to know where they're both sleeping.
1: I mean, I feel like he thinks that his bed is big enough for three. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Ron Weasley and the threesome of fire. (laughs) there it is oh oh talk about your international magical cooperation giggity
0: moving on he watches as they re-enter the powder blue carriage and realizes that this is where they must be sleeping oh darn harry knocks on hagrid's door and he answers the door wearing his very best and very horrible hairy brown suit which we have gotten to see before and i'm certainly happy it made a comeback i mean who doesn't love a hairy brown suit right but they didn't actually show this to us in the movie did they they did not so we got bilked of course don't we usually (laughs) all the time (laughs) he's also wearing it with a checked yellow and orange tie which just sounds hideous i mean the 70s
1: called they want their color scheme back right
0: (laughs) He had tried to tame his hair using large quantities of what looked like axle grease. Aww. And it looked like he was trying to like slick it back into a ponytail and realized that he had too much hair. So it's like two parts and it just he gave up partway through and
1: it just looked really bad. I just want to give him hugs though. <laughs> like you tried. Good try. You tried honey.
0: Hermione decides to just ignore the hair. <laughs> and instead asks about the scroots, learning that they are out by the pumpkin patch. They're getting massive and have started killing each other. So he has to keep them in separate boxes, but still has about 20 left. Which was our trivia question. Sure was. Mhm. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, Ron sarcastically <laughs> is just like, oh, that's lucky. Yay us. Yay. <laughs> but Hagrid does not pick up on the sarcasm. He usually doesn't. Whereas sarcasm is Ron's love language. Basically, yes. And sass is Harry's. Yeah. (laughs) And knowing the answer is Hermione's. (laughs) As Hagrid makes tea, they all sit down in his one room hut and talk excitedly about the tournament. He knows something about the first task, but he doesn't want to spoil it. So he just calls it spectacular. And then also mentions that the champions are going to have their work cut out for them
1: hmm he knows something i would
0: absolutely be like let me get you some of that single malt whiskey and ask you more (laughs) questions (laughs) right but instead it's just tea the trio stays for lunch as well but they end up not eating much because he serves them beef casserole and hermione finds a very large
1: talon oh i mean i hear that's a good source of protein I'd stop eating, too. <laughs> like, What What
0: do you mean by beef? I mean... Do you think it was like Hippogriff? Like, what, yeah. what would have a talon that would mimic beef?
1: That is a good point.
0: Because and is a Hippogriff going to be like red meat or and beef? chicken yeah. in one? <gasps> that sounds
1: like the perfect animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the filet mignon of creatures. Yes. But
0: anyway... <laughs> Hagrid does not cook well but I feel like they agreed to eat it just to be polite
1: they usually do
0: and then we all remember the rock cakes probably just spent the rest of the time shoving it around on their plate to make Mm -hmm. it look like they were eating it but they do end up having a really good time trying to make Hagrid tell them about the tasks and talking about who the champions are gonna be and whatnot Mm -hmm. it's all about the whatnot (laughs) And it begins to rain lightly so they just sit by the fire And at this point, Hermione and Hagrid have started arguing about SPEW because Hagrid does not want to join. He just like (laughs) flat out refused. I'm not saying I told you so, but I told you so. He says it would be doing them a disservice. And Hermione points out that Harry freed Dobby and now he wants wages. But Hagrid's just like, you get weirdos in every breed. Like Dobby's not the norm. You're never going to convince them to take money. Mm -hmm. good luck with that but i'm not helping you (laughs) yeah (laughs) basically it starts to grow dark outside so harry ron and hermione decide that they better head back to the castle for the halloween feast and to learn who the champions are going to be and Hagrid says he'll go with them but to wait a moment he gets up and starts rummaging through his chest of drawers and after a few minutes they're like what the fuck is that smell (laughs) (laughs) and Hagrid blushes and says it's cologne but he decides that it's a bit much and goes outside to wash it off in his water barrel
1: I gotta say the wizarding version of axe not that appealing
0: (laughs) apparently I feel like Hagrid would put on cologne and he'd get flocked to by the animals (laughs) (laughs) like instead of
1: women it's animals It's like cologne that's enhanced with animal pheromones because it's actually for breeding, but Hagrid (laughs) doesn't realize that. It's the essence that Newt's commander had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To try and attract the... Yes. ...errumphant. Oh, that's where Hagrid got it. Yeah, maybe. Hagrid got it from Newt.
0: Maybe. The trio are just, like, hanging out while Hagrid washes off his cologne, and they're (laughs) like, what the fuck is going on with him? He's got that suit on, and he's putting on cologne? (laughs) Somehow it completely escapes their perception that there's a giant woman right present somehow they forget the giant woman okay yeah until ron notices out the window that hagrid has met up with the giant woman and is walking up to the castle with her and her students wearing an expression very similar to the one he had when he looked at his baby dragon
1: norbert
0: that just makes me imagine hagrid looking at madame Maxime like mommy i was gonna (laughs) say yeah oh look she knows her mommy
1: she knows her mommy (laughs) Which is weird. Come
0: to mummy. <laughs> oh, come to mummy. <laughs> That's awkward. Hermione is indignant over the fact that he didn't wait for them. A little jealous there, Hermione. hmm So the three of them head back to the castle themselves.
1: I think she was already a little bristly over the yeah. spew oh, conversation, yeah. so.
0: I'm already mad at you about spew, so I'm going to find something else to be mad at you about. Mm-hmm. Pile it on.
1: Everything you do pisses me off.
0: And the three head back to the castle themselves. On their way, they see the Durmstrang students walking up from the lake. Ron watches them excitedly, because he's creepy. But Victor Crumb doesn't turn around at all. So sad panda. When they reach the Great Hall, they find it almost full. The Goblet of Fire has been moved in front of Dumbledore's chair. And Fred and George are clean shaven again.
1: (laughs) They love it. I bet Fred and George were some pretty boss-looking silver foxes,
0: though. I mean, in the movie, they were. Right. A little Donald Sutherland, but... But aside from that... Not bad-looking. Mm-hmm. As they take their seats, they express their hope that the Hogwarts champion is Angelina, and then they impatiently eat their way through a feast that seems to take longer
1: than usual. The movie scene starts corresponding again here. When it shifts to everyone standing around the great hall while the adults quietly repeat to themselves there is no way anything can go wrong tonight everything will be just fine really Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing's gonna go wrong everything's okay <laughs> there doesn't appear to be any kind of feast it's just everyone gathered around for the announcement of the champions
0: nope full halloween feast for the impatient students But once the plates finally do clear, the noise level rises and then immediately drops as Dumbledore gets to his feet. He doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't have to raise a hand. He just stands and everybody's just like, champion time! (laughs) (laughs) He announces that the goblet is about to make its decision, estimating that it requires about one more minute. He says when the champion's names are called, they will head through a door at the top of the hall into the next chamber to receive instructions. He then waves his wand, causing the candles to go out, leaving the Goblet of Fire as the only light in the great hall.
1: In the movie, Dumbledore's voice is heard asking everyone to take their seats, and the students all make their way to the bleachers lining the edges of the Great Hall and some tables that are set up towards the entrance. Because he has to raise his voice.
0: Yeah. To get people to do what he wants in the movie. Exactly. Maybe he just likes raising his voice in this movie. Maybe. he
1: does it quite a bit.
0: We're getting to it. Just saying.
1: The camera cuts to him as he announces that it's time to seal some fates. I mean, choose some champions. <laughs> He sets the mood by hitting the magical dimmer switch on the wall sconces so that only the blue flames from the Goblet of Fire are lighting the Great Hall.
0: That was actually pretty similar there. Mm Mm-hmm. In the book, people are checking their watches, and Lee Jordan says, any second now, right as the flames inside the goblet turn red. So, well played there, Lee Jordan. He knew. He knew. What? A tongue of flame shoots a charred piece of parchment out of it, and Dumbledore catches it pretty badass right Mm -hmm. he reads that the champion for durmstring is victor crumb everyone cheers and claps and ron yells that he's not surprised as victor walks along the staff table and exits the great hall
1: i actually feel like the movie nailed this part of the chapter oh i agree pretty well yeah dumbledore goes up to the goblet hits the shuffle button and waits for the goblet to do its thing the flames turn a purpley red and a charred slip of paper shoots out Dumbledore catches it in midair and announces that the Durmstrang champion is SHOCKER! THE PROFESSIONAL Quidditch PLAYER WHO IS SOMEHOW STILL BOTHERING TO COME TO SCHOOL! WHAT? That's pretty insane. Well, he can't keep getting hit with bludges for the rest of his life. He
0: needs an education, too. I guess
1: so. He could get his W.E.D. <laughs> The Durmstrang students all cheer and congratulate Victor, who stands to shake Dumbledore's hand with all the humility of the school quarterback when he gets voted prom king, and makes his way to a room off the Great Hall. In the
0: book, the room quiets again and focuses back on the goblet as the flames turn back to red and spit out another piece of parchment. Dumbledore looks at it and declares Fleur Delacour to be the champion for Beauxbatons. Harry points out that it's the Vila girl, so we finally have her name. Yeah. As Hermione comments on how the other girls from Bobatons are disappointed, which is kind of an understatement because some of them have just like full-on burst into tears. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I'd probably cry if I wasn't picked. <laughs> you? No. I'm emotional. No. Fleur also disappears into the next chamber and silence falls again as everyone eagerly waits to find out who the Hogwarts champion will be. In the movie...
1: The flames turn red again and release a super girly singed doily because, you know, all girl school, you got to have singed doilies.
0: They totally matched their uniforms, too. They
1: did. Oh my God. Dumbledore catches it like a frog feasting on a frilly fly and declares Fleur de Lacour to be the champion of bow Battens. <laughs> he really does emphasize He's... that T. Oh my God. He really. bow Battens! Every goddamn time. It messes with my head, because I keep hearing that, and I'm like, that's not right. That's not how you would say
0: that. No. hippy Dumbledore, come on.
1: Honestly. That's not even a case of he should have read the book. That's a case of, like, he should know how to read something that's French. Beaubaton. You know come he on. says Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awkward. Again. Fleur getting picked as a shocker, since she was the only one with a twirling solo during the school's big entrance. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, they kind of spelled that one out for us. A little bit. The blonde girl smiles as the rest of the bobaton girls cheer, and suddenly everyone understands why they made bobaton an all-girls school. Because that was the only way to appease the Hollywood gods and allow a female to be chosen. Because obviously, if it was a co-ed school like it was in the book, there's no way a female would have been picked. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think you're right. It gets me so worked up every time. Like, the only absolute reason that Fleur could get picked is because, oh, of course, it's an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Yep. If there were boys to choose from, there's no way that it would have... The goblet would choose a boy. Mm-hmm. Of course, because only a boy would be worthy enough. Uh, anyway, that's a tangent for another day, which I will probably get to another <laughs> day. That being said, she then makes her way down the aisle and into the special little room for the champion. for the a little champion room a little special champion room back to the book
0: <laughs> once again the flames turn red and when Dumbledore grabs the third piece of parchment he reads that the Hogwarts champion is none other than Cedric Diggory what was the only other person we saw enter his name in the <laughs> goblets so there's a big surprise shocker Ron loudly exclaims, no, (laughs) but nobody can hear him over the screaming and stamping. Cedric heads into the neighboring chamber and it is quite a while before all of the applause dies down and Dumbledore can address the crowd again. And I don't feel like Dumbledore would have yelled in this point. I think he'd let Hogwarts get it out of its system. Right? Like, just celebrate for a while, guys. Yeah. Be proud of Cedric. He's a Hufflepuff and
1: he's bringing glory to the school. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't stop any of the other schools from cheering, yeah, let so him cheer. Let you him know, go. Yeah. In the movie, for the third time a piece of parchment comes out of the goblet, and Dumbledore reads that Cedric Diggory will be the Hogwarts champion. He smiles, stands, and shakes Dumbledore's hand as Harry and Seamus and Seamus' giant rings clap and cheer. <laughs>
0: Again, the movie eliminates the fact that the Gryffindors do not want Cedric to be champion having Seamus and his gangsta rings clap for him, rather than call him Pretty Boy Diggory.
1: Dumbledore addresses the rest of the audience about having their three champions. He talks about how only one will go down in history as Barty Crouch carries something covered in cloth. I wonder what it could be. What could it be? Hmm. I don't know, because in the
0: book, they don't have Barty Crouch getting involved. <laughs> and there's nothing covered in a cloth. Dumbledore is just reminding everyone to be supportive of the champion, and he finds
1: himself distracted by the goblet. This basically happens in the movie, too, but they give Dumbledore a much longer winded speech first. He speaks of the Vessel of Victory and points at the cloth, which magically sends it flying off, revealing a large and ornate silver and glass chalice that emits a blue light. And Vessel of Victory is some excellent alliteration. Vessel of victory. It's
0: apparently Albus alliteration hour. Vessel of victory. Tumbler of triumph.
1: Ooh, the cup of conquest.
0: Mug of mastery.
1: Beaker of beating. Tankard of trouncing. Ooh, goblet of gains. Can of kickass. The, I, uh, I, I can't beat can of kickass. You win. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's just keep rolling. As everyone claps and cheers over the can of kick-ass, the camera shows Snape slowly stepping forward with a slightly confused look on his face. It cuts back to Dumbledore, who turns as he realizes the goblet is doing something unexpected behind him. For a fourth time, the flames turn red, and an unhappy Crackeroff makes the face of a man who just smelled his own fart. Embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was a rough one, too.
0: The book was a little simpler, <laughs> As he's just talking and gets distracted when, for a fourth time, the flames turn red and yet another piece of parchment is expelled from it. Dumbledore automatically reaches for it and stares at it. After a long
1: pause, he clears his throat and says, Harry Potter. Hmm. The movie is impressively similar and different at the same time. (laughs) Very impressive. We don't know how you do that movie, but... You did it. We hate you for it sometimes. <laughs> Dumbledore looks at the parchment, not really entirely sure why he feels surprised, and mutters, Harry Potter. He looks around for him as Harry sits back down and Hagrid shakes his head, and not seeing him, yells out, Harry Potter! as though he has never said that name before in his life. And this is where both sections end. Yay, Correspondence! Yay! We don't really have any new actors to talk about, since we're still waiting for Fleur de la Cour to do something other than stand there and look pretty to talk about Clemens Posey. And other than that, we've talked about all the other actors. So, let's just roll right into the Potter Pondering. This week, we asked, how does the Goblet of Fire choose the champions?
0: Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. We really look forward to reading them. This will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Arcanine Patronus. name. They're a Gryffindor. Their wand is U with unicorn hair core, 14 and a half inches, supple. Their Patronus is a deer hound or, as their name suggests, an Arcanine. I love the idea of having a Pokemon as a Patronus. <laughs> <laughs> they write, I had heard of the books. A few boys in my class did every book presentation about them. The idea of the story sounded silly to me, and I wasn't interested, even though I was a bookworm. But when I was 11, my parents got me the first movie as a present for my grades, and I instantly fell in love. The first four books were out at that time, and I read them all that summer. And reread them. Rinse and repeat. I'm forever grateful that I grew up while the books were still being written. Having friends, brothers, parents, and other family members who were also reading the series made it that much more fun along with looking at theories on forums and reading interviews with Rowling where she gave small hints. There are currently a few awesome series in the progress that I'm also following, but with Harry Potter, I grew up alongside the characters. Thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Arcanine Patronus.
1: Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us.
0: Or you can just message it to us over social media. And now for the trivia question. Dun, 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 dun. When does the first task take place? That would be the date we want. The date the first task takes place. The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word
1: #testyourdaring we'll get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling@gmail.com at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it.
0: Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com
1: will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at justkeeprolling.com to check out our Just Keep Rolling and Harry Potter-related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos.
0: We also want to welcome our longtime keeper, but newest patron,
1: Robert Griffey Jr. Thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank you. We are really happy to have you join us and so excited for the chance to interact with you more on the patron Facebook page.
0: If any of our other keepers would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com justkeeprolling just and up a month will get you some awesome perks like Just Keep Rolling Swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 17, the four champions, and the corresponding film scenes.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just Just Keep Rolling.